Right, right. Get, get your pole in there. Get your pole in. Yeah, and yeah. Really, got it. really. Okay, and together and lift. Okay, oh, over, over, and, and uh, down. There we go. Right now, let's see. They're always chucking stuff down here. They shouldn't. What have we got down here? Oh, we got blocking it today. Oh gosh. Oh, would you look at that? Someone's just left all these skits down here. Oh, oh. Lie. There's so bloody many of them. No wonder there's a clog. Yeah, there's, there's, there's so much things we've played down here. You're not supposed to flush them. No, I mean, that, that is a perfectly good thing that we've watched. That is a perfectly good thing we've listened to as well, right oh, there. Oh, would you look? Oh, it's got stuff on it. Oh. oh. Well, I mean, clean it off, though. I mean, it's probably fine, probably fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah. um, couple of ladies. C- come come up, ladies. A couple of queer trans ladies. I mean, probably shouldn't be down there. You shouldn't really be down there. Is all this stuff yours? You're not getting any hazmat material yeah. uh, suits or nothing. Oh, you probably need probably want to get a shower, girls. Well, how's that for a queer pleasant strangers? Well, that indeed. Yeah, yeah. We'll just hose it all off, take it home for the kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Dale. And I'm not Jane Eris Magnet. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers. It's a podcast where we talk about things that we have consumed media-wise in the week, and we do voices and skits and that sort of thing. How you doing? Om nom 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 nom. Om nom nom. Om nom nom nom. We consume all the media. Om nom 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 nom. Oh, well, I hope... media. Om nom 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 nom. I hope you didn't eat too much media get a full tummy. Well, I have salad to blame for that. A big salad. It was a good salad. It, it looked like salad. a good salad. It was a very tasty salad. But that's not what we're not here to talk about the salads you consumed. We're here Wait, to talk about. Wait, this isn't a salad show. I mean, if you want to have like a new segment, we have things we've played, things we've watched, things we've listened to, and, and salad. salad. Yeah. <laughs> salad. <laughs> if you think you can make a segment out of it, we can skip the questions salad. this week. No, no, we need to do the questions. Okay, well, I guess there's questions. no room for salad this oh, week. Okay, well, I'll take my salad <laughs> elsewhere. Well,. To a different podcast. I think we should start with things we've played this week, as we usually salad. do. What have you played this week? Uh, pretty much just one thing. Yeah? I played Control. Yeah, you you played Control, which is a game you've played before and didn't get I to the end of. Yeah, I didn't. I was struggling to do it on stream. Yeah. Like if, so many games. If you've never tried streaming video games, particularly narrative heavy ones, or ones that have like, I have to not get lost, I have to work out where I'm going and solve puzzles... It's harder to do on stream. Yes. Your brain is divided between two dahasks. It doesn't yep. work. So you played it off stream. And I played it off stream. N- made more efficient progress. Yeah, I played the whole game as far as I'm aware I did all of the side missions. You played more, th- more of it than I have at this point because I haven't played the, uh, the Alan Wake DLC. I played through the Foundation DLC. I'm about an hour into the Alan Wake stuff. It's boring as fuck and it's so Alan Wake. <laughs> I mean, so Alan Wake to me sounds like a great thing. I love Alan Wake. Ah, yes, but imagine if instead of actually having a torch, you had to just levitate one next to you. Which meant you constantly had your finger on one button. Just like, la la la, well, I can't drop it. I need this. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, I don't. I need it to navigate because all of the areas are just too dark to get around. But when I actually get a place where I will be able to use that lamp, oh, I've conveniently lost it while dropping down an elevator shaft and it's literally nowhere on the floor. It's just been taken off me 
Yeah. Because narratively that's the thing. Or, oh, I walked through this door holding a lamp and it... Oh, no, no, the bulb's gone now. Oops. That sounds really, like, bad game design. Or the big scary enemy that you're supposed to shine all the lights at. If you happen to have a light while standing near it, that won't be enough to, to do the thing with it. You have to do the narrative thing to get See, the light on. This this sounds like the exact opposite. Like the the reason that sounds infuriating is the reason I loved Breath of the Wild. Huh? Is that like Breath of the Wild was all about oh, if a thing works one way at one moment, it will yeah. always work that yep, way. Yep, yep, yep. And we will never just cheat you to stop you doing the thing. If you wanna yeah. give infinite momentum to our minecart and then climb into it and then get straight to Ganon, you can do that. Yeah, you you are basically taught here are the rules of the world, and they will never change, no matter how ridiculous you make that. You want to make yeah. a flying machine with with the uh, with the ultra rock, yeah, with the balloons. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. Whereas this is no, we're going to this is lamps. <laughs> fuck no. You will fuck, use the lamps we said, and you will do the mission in the way we said. And sometimes we will introduce new mechanics, and you will have to work shit out from that. Just we're not gonna yeah. we're not we're not gonna like teach you a thing necessarily but you'll have to just go that wall's a bit different from anything else in any part of the previous game yeah you can smash through that that doesn't sound like fun game design we're going to show you one of those so that you know you can do it and then at the other side of the level we're going to do another one but you might have died several times in between or just spent a load of time trying to work out what the fuck to do next haha remember that whole new mechanic we introduced like 40 hours of gameplay later after you started yeah yeah is that again remember that just 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 do it here again oh and sometimes we're just going to turn the lights out so that the boss thing will kill you just because that's sure. that's that's fun oh no the light went out now you're gonna have to move oh no i had almost no energy because I, tr- I tried flying around with a torch, and apparently that was still enough to get me shot at. Cool, 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 cool. But other than that DLC, other than the Alan Wake DLC, <laughs> a game I already didn't like. <laughs> I'm not being more sold on it. Um, other than that, like I have really enjoyed it. I I love the architecture of that game. Yeah. I I, I love the the graphics of that game. I have playing like on my own off stream. I have found the combat much easier yeah for the most part there have been parts where i've just been like i'm fucking frustrated with this yeah it's usually anything where i have to go anything up to a minute from my checkpoint to getting back into that fight yeah. and there have been a few times where it's just like yeah you're gonna need to go for a bit of a run now yeah for the most part those control points are really well laid out yeah but there's a, there's a few where it's just like oh okay yep yeah. you're gonna need to go do some stuff yeah i will we'll get to my one of those this week of oh dear yeah <laughs> but yeah mostly uh control it is you uh, are uh, a person who has suffered a childhood trauma your brother was kidnapped as part of that because you were involved in some kind of weird otherworldly event and you spent your entire life going after him. You finally track him down, and it turns out that the uh, the Federal, Federal Bureau of Control, who had captured him, have just completely lost all of their shit. Like, yes. all of their cool shit, it's like, it's just running amok around the building. Also, yeah. there's this weird evil entity 
that can take over people's brains and it's causing everything to yeah. attack you. The, the building's uh, ability to perceive it in a Euclidean way has just sort of fallen apart a bit. Yeah, sometimes the building will just move around. And that's like a known thing about the building even before all this shit. Yeah. But now sometimes there are these objects of power which were all, you know, um, altered items that will just, you know, make the world twist in, to, like, twist in a circle. Yeah. And that will, you'll just be going down, like, looking down a corridor. It's like, oh, the floor's lifting up. And I seem to be at about 90 degrees from where I started. Not quite sure how that works. Thanks. All of that architecture is fascinating. It is fascinating and beautiful, and the sort of slight fogginess of it yeah. gives it that slightly Silent Hill vibe of you can't quite see everything. Hmm. But then there are other times when, like, the, the quarry. Yes. Like, it's that beautiful night sky. It's these weird, towering monoliths of stone all around the edge of it. And then just weird shit happening. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. And Threshold Kids is. Possibly the most <laughs> horrifying and brilliant cartoon since Salad Fingers. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I am having a lot of fun with it. Hooray! Mm-hmm. Uh, I finished playing a game this week. Yes. Uh, I finished playing through No Straight Roads, which is that, that game. Pretty gay. Yay! It's that game that I was talking about where you've got to dodge attacks in time of the music. Uh, you're supposed to be like, Rock, we're going to defeat EDM, except it's actually like eight different music genres that are kind of dance music sometimes um so my biggest problem with that game was the three hours you uh, spent defeating that final boss yeah so (laughs) as i talked about last week my biggest like i love a lot of things about this game i i love the character designs the a lot of the a lot of the music some of the the better music was at the start it got weaker as it went unfortunately Mm. which is a real shame um, I liked a lot of the boss designs and their encounter designs. Um, there's a lot about it that I liked. Um, I even liked its story as goofy and ridiculous as it was with their, like, oh yeah, saving the power of the city from the fascist regime is, like, kind of an afterthought. We just want to rock to be the thing. Um... My biggest complaint about that game had been that there was no checkpointing within boss fights, which is usually fine, because the boss fights themselves are pacey enough that you can usually get back to where you were relatively quickly and you can skip cutscenes on repeat attempts of the boss and you can just sort of get to the gameplay. The final boss of that game has two major problems. First of all, they put an unskippable, lengthy, monologue elevator ride before the boss fight and you don't get an autosave after that, so you have to watch that two-minute elevator ride every time you want to restart the fight. Which really fucking breaks up the pacing. Yes. And once again, no checkpoints in a multi-phase boss fight. Um, The final phase of this final boss fight has an attack that you can probably survive one of it, but a second one is gonna kill you. And the problem is its timing window is incredibly short and you get maybe two attempts to try to try and like get the counter timing right before oops i'm dead go right to the start wait for a 2 minute elevator ride do the whole start of the fight again and by the time you get back to that phase i'd completely forgotten like okay what was the timing like again cuz it was too big of a gap between attempts to learn that timing like even if just just not the elevator ride i mm. probably would have got it sooner yeah um but it was just 
just enough of a gap between attempts that I wasn't... Developing muscle memory? Yeah, I wasn't developing any muscle memory. I was making no progress. And, like, it was a cool... It was a cool encounter design. A little bit glitchy. I fell through the world a couple of times, and a couple of times the... There was a mechanic where I was supposed to throw something I'd assembled at the boss and it just didn't function properly. But, like, generally, I thought it was a really cool setup. It. Uh, the narrative was a little bit predictable about what the final boss fight was going to be, but, like, here's the thing. If I could have done that final boss fight in one attempt, its escalation throughout the fight of how it built up the narrative the game had been building would have been really cool. It was building up to a really cool crescendo, and the fact I couldn't beat that final bit of it. Completely killed the momentum. Um, it's a really fun game. It's one that I can't recommend without like some pretty big caveats. But I mean, I'm still glad I played No Straight Roads. It's I keep comparing it to No More Heroes, and I think that comparison is fair in that it is it is a janky, broken mess of a game with a whole host of problems. And you know what? In spite of those problems, I had a great time. It It's a kind of bad game that I feel really positively about. I mean, it looked like fun. Yeah. I was having a lot of fun in spite of its numerous glaring errors. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I can, I can live with that occasionally with a game. It, sometimes a game will just be kind of bad but still fun, and this is one of those. So what you're saying is you had a good experience, but ultimately it raised a couple of red flags. Yes. Which brings us nicely onto Flam Rouge. I was like, where are you going? <laughs> oh, f- of course, Flam Rouge. <laughs> I was like, I wouldn't exactly say red flags, but it seems like you're leading somewhere. <laughs> okay, sure. Yes, let's talk about Flam Rouge, a board game we played this weekend. This is about cycling. It is. So you have a modular puzzle piece board yeah. that you lay out depending on which of five cards. Well, you can just make your own, I'm sure. I but... imagine so. But they've got like various pre-designed courses. Yeah, so like some of them will have things like, oh, you're going uphill here. That's going to be difficult. Yeah. Oh, you're going downhill here. Oh, that's going to be a bit easier. Yeah. And basically you have two cyclists, you have a ruler and a sprinter, and one of them is kind of a pace setter and the other one just does big zoomies periodically. Yeah. But but also does periods of not moving very far. Not very far, no. Yeah. And the the general idea is that it's um you draw multiple cards, um you pick one of them to use the, You've got your two cyclists. So you've got two cyclists, they have a deck each. Yes. So you will, without looking at the other deck, draw four cards off the top, pick one of those cards. Yeah. And you will put that face down next to your player board, and the rest of them will go face up at the bottom of your deck. Yeah. And they're face up for a reason, so that you know that when you get to the next face up card, it's time to shuffle that that remaining deck. The cards you've used, fuck off, that's it, they're gone. Yep. Yeah, so you don't want to use all your good cards uh, too soon, necessarily. Well, you do. Yeah. Um, and then you look at you take your other cyclist, you look at their cards, you pick one from there. And the, the reason why you do that is, let's say you do the pace setter first, the ruler, and you, you have a look and you're like, okay, I'm going to pick for them to move four spaces this turn. Um, there's a mechanic that it's good for you to be moving your cyclists at about the same sort of pace as each other. Mm. Um, so you're sort of like, okay, well, I know that my... My sprinter, they have these kind of cards left in their deck. I think there's a good chance I could probably get a four or something around there to match so that I can keep the two of them together. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get a feel for, like, what do I think is likely to come up in my other deck? And I'll pick something 
to match that. Sometimes that can go horribly wrong. Yeah, so the decks really, for each cyclist, are fairly small, which means that you, within a couple of rounds, get like a really good feel for what numbers you have for each character available to you. Yeah, I, w- I, knew- I was initially a bit worried because I had heard one of the things is like knowing what's in your deck as being yeah. quite important. Like, what are the odds of certain cards coming up? Getting a feel for that. And I was worried that like first game was going to be a bit crap. Yeah. Because like not really understanding what that was yeah, going to be. Cause... But by the time you've seen all of the cards once, you've got a pretty good idea. Yeah. And you-, you get to a point where like, Every like two hands, you're shuffling the deck at yeah. a certain point. Like it's, you're seeing these cards so frequently, you get pretty, yeah, built into your brain what you've got. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the the mechanics that make it more than just sort of random that sort of random chance is, um, whichever cyclists are at the very front of the pack get exhaustion, and the deal there is, they have to add a a card that's only worth two movement into their deck. Mm -hmm. And the more frequently you get those, the worse the chances of you getting good cards are, and the more likely you'll be at the final sprint of the game, and like, I only have two movements and I can't find any of the sevens or nines that I need to sprint over the finish. Mm -hmm. Um, And additionally, if your cyclist, if there's a gap of one space between your cyclist and the one in front of them, you get a free movement to, yeah, to slipstream to catch up. So... Mm -hmm. It's and that a- applies to the whole pack. So you start yeah. from the back and go, oh, there's one space between you and you. You move forward. Oh, now there's a space between that block and the one in front. So they all move forward. Yeah. So you can sort of conserve movement on your cards by trying to carefully plan out where your other cyclist go- is going to be and where you think the other player might be and trying to pace yourself so that you can steal a free movement without having to use a larger card. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got this interesting momentum of the game where... For the first third to half of the course, everyone's trying to not be front of the pack. (laughs) And it's this active game of, how much can I get away with moving while still being confident that you're going to move more than me and you're going to have to take that penalty? And then there's the other half of the game where you're trying to be like, at what point do I break away from the pack and go, fuck it, I'm going for the finish line. But the other thing is like getting to a position in the pack where you can pull away. Because if you play a nine from the back of the pack, that's not necessarily going to be great. Yeah. Um, And I I think like the base game is designed for two to four players. There is an expansion that adds up to six players. Apparently that game gets chaotic. (laughs) I can imagine so. (laughs) But yeah, it's a lot of vying for position and trying to psych out when do you think the other person's going to do the thing. And you want to put yourself in a position where... You aren't necessarily like the first first to go, but maybe you're in the the row behind. Now you want to get there first so that you are on the inside lane. Yeah. And if someone then ends up pulling up next to you, like there, that's gonna be okay because they're just gonna fill in that little gap. Yeah, and then you've got things like the uphill and downhill slopes, yes. which uh, the uphill slopes you don't get your slipstream, and you can only move a maximum of five, no matter how big the car you use is. Mm-hmm. And then on the downhill, no matter what card you use, it's worth at least five. So I'm to chuck out some of your exhaustion cards and just have a five. Yeah, it's... it's There's a, there's some really interesting aspects. It's a really simple game, yeah. but it's a lot of fun. And it plays in like 20 minutes, half an hour. Yeah. I, I imagine it's probably slightly more with more than two players, but yeah. yeah, it's a lot of fun. I would be interested to play it with more people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what else have we played? Um... 
we played a very lengthy game of uh, <laughs> uh, Legendary Encounters Alien. I tried to make it more exciting. We 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 got to be very powerful. <laughs> we had unlimited power. Yeah, um, we've mentioned it before. Uh, uh, Alien, a uh, Legendary Encountered Alien is a deck building game but instead of building like having having like a tabletop ga- um, a trading card game mm. you get 600 cards in a box yeah. to design um with designs based on like uh characters from from each of the alien movies and, well the first four yeah. uh, missions you have to do based on events that happened in the films yeah. so each scenario has three parts to it uh, a one and two and a three and they will be um, progressively more difficult, but some of the twos might set up for a three. Yeah. So you might have a two that's like, if you set, up, if you find these guns, you can set them up somewhere in the complex, and that will mean that it's easier to kill things. Yeah. Or you might have a, I need to install the airlock controls on the airlock so that I can flush the alien out into space. Yeah. Uh, so what did usually you do? Like you'll do one level one, a level two, and a level three. Yes. We combined levels one, two, and three from the first Aliens. Yes. Then two and three from Aliens, two and three from Alien Three, and just three from Alien Resurrection. Yeah. Um. So we were we were curious what that would do difficulty wise, and the, the, apparently once you've completed one, two, and three of a, a mission, you're pretty powerful, and you have a lot of buying power to make yourself more powerful. And we we were pretty overpowered by the time we did the rest of those. Absolutely uh, overpowered. Yeah, we were we were absolutely demolishing everything in those later movie ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hear there are ways to to make the game more difficult. Most of those involve playing with more people. Yeah, because you can have the hidden agenda cards. Yeah, and there might not even be anyone evil. Yeah, um, but it, it just sets that little layer of do we trust yeah. everyone at if, the table? If we try and do this again beyond like the one two three structure, mm-hmm. maybe just double the number of creatures that come out every turn. Yeah, I think like like as we move through chapters, just go like now two cards appear, now three cards appear, now yeah. four cards just, appear. Just overwhelm us a little, make us take some attacks. Yeah, because I mean, despite all of that, I think I had like four permanent damage. And everything else had been healed throughout the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. We'll homebrew some rules and work out how to make it more difficult we'll for us. We'll refine it. I'll look it up on yeah. Board Game Geek. Someone is bound to do it. And um, I'm also thinking about getting the expansion pack because apparently that adds some extra things to the strike, like harder strikes to the strike deck. Is this the 400 card expansion? Yes. <laughs> so there will now be a thousand cards in the set. Well, we'll have even more sleeving to do then. Well, that's all right because I managed to find a thousand card sleeves, and I we only used six hundred of them so far. Only six hundred. Only six hundred, which means there's four hundred left. It's it's, it's like serendipitous. <laughs> I mean, it actually is because it was just like it's cheaper to buy a thousand. Yeah. Penny sleeve. <laughs> um. What else did we play? Uh, we played a little bit of Keyforge. We did! Our, our local game store was very kind and gave us each some decks from about two years ago, Age of Archons, yeah. I think it was. Do you, to, do you want to explain what Keyforge is? It's a it's a game much like Magic the Gathering, except instead of buying booster packs of cards and yeah. building your own deck, you buy a deck completely blind. 
yeah. that deck comes with a QR code and all of the card backs match specifically to that deck. Yeah, so you, you cannot you, mix and match. You cannot mix and match them and there's, what, something like two million... There are now, I think, yeah. like, in the time it took me to look up the rules initially and to check for further rules, Yeah. Um, like, three days later, they tipped over two million different decks. Yeah, so there is practically no chance you will ever see the same deck again. Yeah, I it's... mean, you'll probably see many of the same cards in a particular set. Yeah, but an identical deck of cards is not going to happen. You just, you, you have the deck you have, and you play with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes those decks will be utter shite. Yes, I think of the two decks we had, one of them was definitely... Uh, we'll, play, we'll play a bit more and see. They might not have been great balanced against each other. Yes. But also, I think, um, as we said, like, having played your deck through once... Like, yeah. you would play it a bit differently. Yeah. So, the the general gist is that it's a one of those, like, Magic the Gathering type games, but you don't attack... Well, you, you can attack each other's monsters. There's no health, there's no life meter, there's no... There's no thing that directly destroying other people's monsters brings you towards victory. Your it's, goal is collect six pieces of ember and forge a key. And do and that three times. Three key, forge three keys, you win. Yes. Um, and the creatures usually have, like, they'll often have some ability that uh, either helps you to get those those embers to, to make the keys, or they're just really strong and powerful so you can kill the other people's stuff so that they can't use their thing to to, to forge stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a deck that was very themed around, I'm just going to keep stealing your shit. Yeah, I was, it was basically a rogue deck. I mean, it yeah. had rogue right there in the name. And it was lots of steel things and, like... Lots of very weak creatures, but that did, like, oh, I can claim some extra ember for this. Yeah. And and that card might be really easy to get back in my hand. Oh, I can also just steal some ember from you if you ever manage to get yeah. any. My, my deck had a lot fewer ways to get ember, but I could see at least one, if I'd been able to set it up one way, I might have been able to get it, which was, mm. like, a creature that every turn I could tap to get some ember, a thing that I could use to get that creature back out the grave if it got destroyed, mm-hmm. And a creature that every turn would make my creatures like stronger and stronger to make them harder to destroy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I can see how that could be a thing. And rather than using a resource like uh, mana in Magic the Gathering or energy types in Pokemon, yes. you have just... You, the deck will have three houses. Yes. And you pick a house and you can play all of the matching yeah. cards from that house. Yeah. You can play them. You can use your creatures in that house to attack. Yeah. Or you can just discard those cards and go, yeah. I'm not going to need this till later. I, I don't remember the exact names of them, but for example, my deck, like a third of the cards were like Martian cards. A third of them were like beast cards. And a third of them were like fire cards. Mm-hmm. And yeah, every turn you pick, I'm only going to attack with or use or play fire cards this turn so i'm just going to use those ones and everything else in my hand and everything else on the field just has to sit there your martian cards seem super badass they're super badass in a game where destroying the opponent's monsters directly leads you towards victory Hmm. none of those martian cards had anything to do with earning ember Hmm. which is feels like a problem yeah and this is why i've not got into Keyforger before. Yeah. Because I've heard people go, oh, you can buy a deck and it will just be absolute dog shit. This, this is the problem, is it's it's not pre, you know, balanced and built decks that are designed to be good. I mean, I hear there is an algorithm that yeah. tries to do some of that stuff, but... but... Uh, the algorithm, I'm not convinced by the algorithm from having tried one deck. No. But, um... I mean, it might be a 
yeah. a bit better now. I understand these these decks are a couple of years yeah. old, which is why we got them for nothing. Because <laughs> apparently yeah. you can't even plug them on eBay anymore. Yeah. But that was very kind. We got yeah. to try a new thing. It, indeed. And you know what? I'm not opposed to playing some more and maybe working out like, ah, oh, that is how this deck can be useful and working that yeah. strategy out. Um, did you play anything else this week? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. Uh, I played one other thing that I can start talking about. Oh, hey. Um, I've not finished it and I've not put as much time as I'd like to into you it. You put like eight hours into it today. Yeah, I did, but... And a bunch uh, of time last night. Yeah, yeah, but like I haven't finished it and I haven't touched the multiplayer stuff and I, <laughs> I haven't touched all the stuff that I'm dreading touching. <laughs> but um, I started playing through Marvel's Avengers, the new fancy Avengers video game that exists. Oh, wow. Um, so for anyone who's unaware, it it's big budget video game. It's made by the uh, the team that made the modern Tomb Raider reboots, mm. um, and it has a single player campaign, but also they want it to be a live service, ongoing th- multiplayer online thing. Think of something like Destiny. They want it to be like, oh, we're going to add a new raid that you're going to go fight, and we're going to add some more maps and some more heroes, and keep questing for loot and keep playing it online with your friends and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I have touched none of that. Um, I'm a bit afraid to because there seems to be a lot of real gross monetization going on around that with $10 battle passes for every individual character. Yikes. Uh, so what I've been playing is the single player and the single player has... I was expecting the single player to, within a couple of hours, be like, hey, do you want to do some multiplayer missions within the single player? Mm-hmm. Has not done that at all. Which has been really nice. Um, the single player campaign. It's it's a it, the game is called Marvel's Avengers. It's not a fucking Avengers game. Yeah. It's a Kamala Khan Miss Marvel game. Um, y- the game starts with the setup of you're at like Comic Con, but for the Avengers, and you're just playing as as Kamala Khan before she's she's Miss Marvel, being a big old fangirl going around Comic Con trying to meet all her favorite superheroes, and then then the Inhumans event from the comics happens and powers are a thing and goes a little bit civil war and it it all goes a bit south but the whole way through the narrative Kamala Khan Miss Marvel she is the the character who is consistent throughout the entire narrative she is the player perspective character she is the main playable character who is available in like every mission from the start and she's a lot of fun I really enjoy Watching her balance, like, trying to learn to be a proper superhero with trying not to geek out about the fact that, oh my god, I'm, I'm with the Avengers. Oh shit, keep my cool. <laughs> um, her combat style's really fun. For anyone who doesn't know, like, her thing in the comics is she's a polymorph. She can stretch. She can make herself bigger. She can change the shape of her body and stretch herself out a bit. She's very um, Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four mm-hmm. or uh, Elastigirl from Incredibles or whatever. But, um... They do a lot of really fun stuff with allowing her to move very agilely, make big leaps to sort of swing off things based on her changing her body shape. Um, Very good sense of impact when you beat stuff up. Um, It's very... You know how sometimes you'll watch a film and I think the term is like a popcorn flick. It's the, I'm just going to switch my brain off and big explosions and flashy lights will happen for a bit and I will go, yeah, yeah. Didn't have to think too much about that. That was, that was th- this is that kind of video game. It's 
you know, they, they, they try and do a lot of things from a lot of video games, like, oh, here's your stealth section, oh, here's your section where you're running away from a crowd and you've got to find all the scratched walls to clamber up, and mm. uh, now here's your combat section where you're breaking into a... It's a lot of things other video games have done, but it's all... It's all in the service of being hero fantasy. Yeah. It's... It's not quite as ridiculous as something like a Hyrule Warriors or a Dynasty Warriors where mm. you are mowing down literal thousands of people without batting an eye. Yeah. Um, but it's somewhere between... It's the midpoint between that and like a Platinum Games character action game in that you've got lots of flashy attacks and you've got lots of stuff you can be doing, but ultimately most regular units don't pose a threat to you. Mm. You know, there'll be there'll be boss enemies and there'll be big tough enemies and there'll be specific ones you're like, oh shit, better watch out for that. But like most of the time it'll be things like, I'm gonna be the Hulk and you've put me in a building with lots of glass and lots of smashable desks and computers and some people and I'm just going to Hulk smash everything and beat everything up and feel very powerful. Hulk do smash. Hulk do smash. It's it's a lot of just let me feel very powerful while I punch everything and everything dies. And We'll have a plot about superheroes, sure, if we must. Mm. Um, I'm having fun with the single player. I don't know whether I'll keep having fun beyond finishing the single player. Um, if you're someone who, like me, looked at this game and went, I want, I want a single player story with the high production value about some superheroes, and mm. I just want to feel like a cool superhero... I'm, I've been pleasantly surprised with how viable that is a way to play this. You could buy this game... Play its single player campaign for fifteen hours. Go, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I I played an Avengers game there, yeah. and never touched the multiplayer live service stuff. And it's it's never going to force you to go. Hey, hey, hey. Have you tried the live service? Have, have you tried it yet? Have you tried it yet? Oh, it's just a little live service. Yeah, it's the single player has done a good job of walling itself off and being like, if you're just here for the single player. That's cool. We're not gonna we're not gonna pressure you to play anything else, mm -hmm. um, which was honestly my biggest concern. So, yeah, I'm having fun with the single player so far. We'll see if I'm still having fun after I have for work had to play a Destiny style live service with microtransactions everywhere. Good luck. Uh, I'm leaving you. It's fun to play a Kamala Khan video game though. About freaking time. Yeah. No. Like, I, I feel like I need to stress this. This is not an Avengers game. This is a Kamala Khan video game. This is a Miss Marvel video game with, like, a multi-million dollar budget behind it, and that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking time. Yeah. Yeah. I I was going to say I don't know why they downplayed it so much. I know why they downplayed it so much. Mm -hmm. They talked about it once last year, back in October, I think it was, and then they stopped talking about it because internet whiny bros got upset that... Uh, uh, a Muslim American a mus in a video a, a game. A Muslim lady who, who, who is the hero. Who is the hero, and the main character. Oh, oh. the Avengers need saving by a by a girl who is who is not who is who is not white Christian girl. That sounds like a feminism and a politics in my That's video game. Feminism politics. Yeah, Kamala Khan's great. Yeah, she is. I, I tweeted today about the fact that she was, like, the main character, and so many people were like, I didn't know that, and I'm suddenly so much more interested yeah. in the game. I was like, yeah, you, you get it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you also, played... Sparrow, go, Sparrow, go, Sparrow. I, I'm, I'm, I, was, I was streaming it the other night, and we were talking about, like, heroes who need to get added to this game. I was like, give me a Squirrel Girl campaign. Give me a Squirrel Girl. Because Doreen was in, like... 
something not too long ago with Marvel in it. Yeah. Was that one of the Gusha games that they did? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I know I know she was in something, I couldn't remember. Yeah, put, put Squirrel Girl in this. Right, yeah. Do it. Right, I think that's everything we both played this I week. I think so too. Well, well then. then. Time, Time for, for this. this. Oh, this heat wave. Oh, I must say you're certainly dressed for it. Very summery. Oh, yeah, I've been really enjoying just some like really comfy, colourful, light, big baggy trousers. Yeah, I noticed you have been yeah. adopting an awful lot of colour this summer. I know, it's been... I, I, You know, if I can't be out there, at the very least I can bring some of the summer, you know, flavour indoors. Oh, goodness. Traffic's bad. Yeah. Uh, oh. Oh. Uh, I think I think that uh, I think the heat wave's finally broken. It is. Oh. It has really started coming down up there. Ah. Anyway, how, how did you get changed that quickly? The the it, the sum, sum, summer's over. Yes, but you wearing all black and a witch's hat, and I'm sure we didn't have a black hat before. S- s- summer, s- it, it, uh, summer's finished now. Um, it's, it's done. Time for the, the colourful clothes time is done. The, the pumpkin spice candle? I mean, it's basically just cinnamon, and we both like cinnamon. We do like cinnamon and the pumpkin. Also the banner. Uh, what, what, what banner? The banner that says, I heart Halloween. Ooh. <laughs> and then, oh my god, the, the bats and the... the what? How did you put all this up? I just... I just the cobwebs! <laughs> I mean, that stuff, you really have to pull it apart to make it look effective, and you've done just a fantastic job on this. It's, it's autumn, isn't it? Summer is over, it is autumn, Halloween is here, it is time, darkness is coming. Ooh-woo. Ooh-woo. Hello, and welcome to the evening news. Tonight's top story, horror movie writers all across the country are stuck for ideas for horror movies this year. According to reports from industry insiders, every spooky idea they try to come up with does poorly with test audiences. They've tried combining monsters from various mythos, they've tried just straight up ramping up the violence and the gore, nothing is scaring anyone this year. The problem, as we understand it, is that any fictional idea you come up with this year is just not as scary as the literal year. Reports state, that all horror movie writers are switching to writing optimistic dramas because the bar for optimism has been dramatically reduced. And now, over to Invisible Bob with the weather. Hello! Well, what have you put in your eyes this you week? Now I meet. We sat and watched the Alien movie again. Yeah, we watched the original Alien, the director's cut. That's uh, aged really well. Yeah, because... This is not a film either of us has seen many times. Like, this was, what, your second... I've seen this once before about 20 years ago. I, I've seen this, I think, twice. The most recent time was about a decade ago. Um, For a film from, when was it, 79? 79, Um, yeah. It has visually and narratively aged really well. Yeah. It holds up very well. Like, it, there's nothing you look at the set design and go, that's a bit wobbly. Yeah, it, you look at this and go, you know what, fuck it. Modern films could learn from your... Uh, your good set design. Good set design, like good miniatures. Yeah, v- very enjoyable ship design with its yeah. like varying types of spaces within it. It's sort of cra- cramped, um, grimy spaces. Yeah. It's polished food and medical areas. I was to say nothing of the alien ship. Yes, yes, with its Geiger-esque designs. 
I think they did a really good job of like ramping up the pacing of how they get to the alien. Yeah. Because like they. That film dwells a lot. Yeah, but it never feels like it's dragging its feet. It's it 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 always feels like it is with a sense of purpose. Because generally, yeah. like there's all that stuff at the beginning one before the crew wake up, and you're just it's just building this sense of yeah. loneliness. It, it's in no rush to give you to to give you its scene setting of hey, you're real fucking alone here. Um, yeah, and the way that it sort of builds up, like oh, even the baby version of this thing. Just just a little bit of its blood coming out. Oh, we're fucked. Almost caused a hull breach. Gives you such a good escalation of like, we're not even going to deal with the things in between until we get to the top end. What can it do? Who the fuck knows? And just the slow reveal of the creature itself. Yeah, that they, they don't show you everything too fast. Like it's it's usually in shadows or flickering yeah. lights. So it's just like, what, what, what exactly are we doing? They show you yeah. just enough of it to... Keep it mysterious. I mean, at this point, it's so iconic. Like, I can't imagine yeah. what it would be like to watch that film completely yeah. clear of that and like, just go, fuck it out. One of my favourite things we talked about toward the end is the first time you see the full body shot of the alien is under strobe light. So it's the first time you've seen its full silhouette at one, in one go. But they add on it's moving in an uncanny way. It's not moving at the right sort of frame rate. Mm. So that even once you've seen the whole thing, it still is unsettling and doesn't look right. Yeah. They're very good at making that one creature very scary. They did a very good job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sigourney Weaver, fantastic in that role. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's it's nice that we, we got a... Um, like, a, a good... Uh, female superhero. Yeah. Because I heard rumours that they originally wanted to cast Ripley as a guy. Yeah, and I don't think you could have got that performance. Uh, that same performance. As far as I'm aware, it's still canon that... Um, oh, I can't remember what her name is. Um, she does, like, scans and stuff. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what the character's name is, um, but, like, that she's trans. Yeah. If you're going to have a trans character and it's not going to be played by a trans person, at least play it by a cis woman. (laughs) Yes, that is something. That's something. Um, I don't think they ever kept in any any reference to the stuff about uh, her and Ripley being together. Oh. Which would have been cool. That would have been. But, I mean, yeah, I can tell why this is like one of those seminal pieces of media that people still talk about because it's... It's aged real well. It, it really was like a genre definer. I'm now kind of a bit scared to go back and watch Aliens again. Um, because I remember as a kid fucking loving Aliens. I, From everything I've heard, Aliens also holds up well. I hope so. Yeah. It, like, it, it's got like, that, a lot more yeah. action movie style yeah. to it rather Be, than that beyond, slow burn horror. Beyond Aliens, uh, you're getting a bit more hit and miss, but... I mean, nobody liked Alien yeah. Three at the time. I'd I'd be up for taking taking the chance and rewatching Aliens at some point. <laughs> Should we do the the, the original uh, quadrilogy? Sure, why not? <laughs> if it gets terrible, we can have a laugh with it. I no, I I like <laughs> Alien Three. I don't remember it being particularly well paced, but having some very cool scenes towards the end yeah. with, the, with the alien and like Ripley um, diving off the gantry, like that is a really cool yeah. scene. But then, like, there's Alien Resurrection, which everyone fucking hates. It's got the swimming aliens, which, <laughs> which just the way they move underwater is incredible. <laughs> and, um, like, there are some amazing scenes in that. Like, I, I love that film. 
Or I, I loved it as a kid. I, I, like... would, I would be up for us going through the three we haven't watched yet, going through those next three. <laughs> Ripley's an absolute badass Yeah, in that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm up for that. Yay! We'll have a big <laughs> alien weekend. Yay! <laughs> Let us never watch Prometheus again. <sighs> uh. What about you? You watched anything else this um, week? Yeah, I watched a, a documentary about uh, uh, the Codemasters. Uh, it's the new Kim Justice video. It's the story of game uh, games of the story and games of Codemasters, nineteen eighty six to nineteen ninety nine. The Road to Respect. Mm. That's quite a name for a documentary, and it's about the history of of, of the the Codemasters brand. Mm. Pretty much during their heyday, when they didn't used to do only Colin McRae games. Yes. And- Various rally driving Various games. Various rally driving games, because I think that's pretty much all they do, isn't it? Like, dirt and... They do the ver- all the rally games now. And the fact that back in the 80s they used to add the word simulator to like pretty much every single one of their titles, because apparently they just sold games. Well, I mean, we know that's true. Remember the gold rush of everyone adding simulator to everything on Steam for a few years yeah. in the indie community? Put simulator on it, people will buy shit. Apparently that was like a, a lost piece of marketing information yeah, for a Everyone few forgot decades. that for a couple of decades. And then it was just like, oh, oh. Surgeon simulator, you say? <laughs> Why, I too would like a wobbly hand. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a really well put, de- put together documentary, as most of Kim's stuff is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you, you want to learn about, like, mostly about 80s gaming and, and early yeah. 90s gaming and... Like the old Dizzy games and Super Robin Hood and all that good yeah. good stuff and like porting and how how that whole thing as a business worked and mm. how how the British gaming industry worked for like a few decades. It's yeah. you, you could do worse than look at that. Yeah. What about you? What about me? Um, I started watching through a show that I've tried to watch before and just previously not had the headspace to watch because it's quite a heavy watch. Uh-huh. I started watching through The Handmaid's Tale. I have never seen that. Is it do, any good? Do you know anything about it? Um, it's got the the, the like the bonnets and the and the yes, rings. yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the thing that that pushed me to rewatch it, and I'll, I'll get into what it is in a second. Uh, the creator is transpositive, um, which for such a uh, show fixated on on uh, various kinds of womanhood, it was like, ah, oh, that's a reassuring sign that it's probably fine to watch. Um, so the general gist is that it's a post-apocalypse uh, narrative set in a world where a plague swept, and the only thing it did is it decimated the fertility rate uh, across the planet globally, about. One 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 thousandth of the the people who used to be fertile are now fertile, hmm. and as such, basically uh, authoritarian regimes around the world. Uh, okay, mainly America. They've made women breeding stock. And they've I made guess. women breeding stock, and it's, America has basically become a a society where women are put into various classes and. There is there is the the handmaids who are essentially treated as breeding stock. You've got the, uh, the you've got like women in other roles within that that strata. If you are a woman who had lots of money prior to this all happening, you probably were able to just skirt through this and not be involved in this whole situation. Mm. It it was people who were not financially well off but were fertile were kind of fucked, and. A lot, a lot of it is just general critique of um, life under authoritarian regimes. There's a lot of f- a focus on 
getting people to distrust uh, people who were in terrible situations to distrust each other rather than focusing on the people who are actually the problem. What a ridiculous notion. Surely yeah. no one has ever done this sort of thing yeah. before. Like, um, a great example from the first episode is any time that the handmaids are sent out to say, go do the shopping or various uh, tasks, uh, they are sent in pairs. And the idea is, there's always someone watching you. You can't go and, you know, do something you're not supposed to because mm-hmm. there's another one of you just right there and she'll, she'll, she'll set you out the second she gets a chance is the mentality drilled into them and... Eventually, by the end of the first episode, the two main ones that we've got travelling together are like, oh, okay, I I thought you were just like a pious little piece of shit that really believed in all this, and it's like, oh, I thought that was what you were doing, because the system's really good at making... Yeah, but it's it's all about these women trying to basically survive and keep their sense of self and get through this situation with the hope of eventually breaking breaking out the system. Um... The main character we follow, she got separated from her daughter at the beginning of all this, and she's like, I'm going to survive, I'm going to get through this, I'm going to find my daughter, and I'm going to get across the border to safety. Because um, the, the start of the show is so like... it's uh, just American. Yeah, no, like, the start of the show talks about people, like, um, the main character got caught with her daughter trying to cross the border into Canada without a passport. Um, like, it's literally, if you can get across the border, you're going to be fine. America is just real clamped down on... Totalitarianism. Yeah, totalitarianism and traditional gender roles. Um, yeah, it it plays a lot around like, with the acceptable idea of traditional womanhood. Um, like, um, being being gay is not super okay. Like, well, you, I can't breed, you see. Yeah, so there's a lot of stories of uh, uh, lesbians and and bisexual women getting shipped off to basically work clearing nuclear waste which is pretty much a death sentence um and there are there are some there are some gay females i am yeah. guessing that the, the men are all fine in this the men are all fine all in this because of course fine. they are of course they are yeah uh there there are some there are some gay female characters in this who have basically like kept their identity under the radar and uh like it's an it's, underground yeah. movement it's basically trying to connect and work out a way to escape or uprise or to do something within this very firmly established authoritarian regime. And and this of all things is what gender crits choose to like throw around in terms at cis lesbians. Yes. Who are trans positive. Yes. You're a handmaid. Yeah. You don't get that, do you? <laughs> no, no. So it's 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 a heavy watch, but it's always it's always optimistic of like, look, there is there is a there is a light at the end of the tunnel. We will get through this. We'll get out of it. I'm glad you say that because listening to you talk about it, it feels like yeah. the kind of TV show that I would put on and just shout. Yeah, <laughs> I would get very angry. Oh, there, there are. This is the thing. I've tried to watch it multiple times and be like, I'm not. In, I'm. I'm not. In, I'm not in the mood to look at a fictional dystopia because I'm living. I'm already surrounded by. One. Yes, it's. <sighs> I've, I've, tr- it's, it's certainly not like, uh, gonna be for everyone at all times, but it is a well-made show and it does a very good job of its making its depiction of its dystopia very believable and showing the slippery slope of how you get people who had lived in a pre in before this society to fall in line. Um, like the the first episode does a lot of stuff with. Showing how other people falling in line with a thing 
combined with fear can lead someone to, to not stand up to clearly terrible things going on and make you forget about the there are many, many more of us than you mentality. Mm-hmm. That is like, really, the, the the only thing you really need? Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's a heck of a show. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot. But I've been watching some of that. Hey. What about you? You watch anything else this week? It's all the things I've watched. What about you? That's all the things I've watched. Well then. Let's have a list. Hmm. Laura, Laura, got a new sponsor. Who's our new sponsor? Well, do you want to learn multiple languages? I mean, I only know like, one language right now. It would be useful to know more than one. So you'd be up for learning two or more languages? I mean, I'd, I'd probably just start with one. I wouldn't no, jump that no, high. No, 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 no. Oh. Check out Trilingo. Okay. It's one better than the other one with a similar name. Oh, that's that's an additional language I have to learn. Not a second and third language, or this virtual owl is gonna get oh, just so mad. Gonna oh, get right up oh, your ass about oh, it. Oh no, I installed the app and now the owl is threatening to kill all my loved ones if I don't conjugate these verbs properly. Yeah, the owl in is Spanish and German. Yeah, the owl is saying if I don't do the the verbs correctly in both French and Japanese. My credit card is going to get put on the dark web. Yeah. Oh, you better no. listen to that fucking owl, because that owl doesn't uh, fuck about. I better learn some fucking vowels, right? I guess. Trilingo. Uh-huh. Trilingo. Uh, head on over to Trilingo. Uh, that's on the, the app store and the, the other app store for the different phones. And enter the code QNPS133. And you can get three languages of your choice. I, I, I you could s- learn three languages at once instead of two. I, I spelt one of the words wrong in my test, and now uh, all of them. Someone at the p- door? Oh no! Oh, I think. Oh, the the owl's here and has a bat. No, I'm not home. Uh, je ne comprends pas le français. Tu parles l'anglais, s'il vous plaît. The owl said they'd recognise that awful pronunciation anyway. I'm sorry, owl. <laughs> you might want to get your sword, hun. <laughs> Inside the boardroom of Electronic Active Softworks. Hi, hi, hi. So, uh, we, 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 it, it's been a busy weekend. Yeah. yeah have you seen we, uh, we, we, we finally got around putting that new mobile game out, uh? Yeah, like, yeah. We, yeah. We, I mean, we've had people slaving away over that for a while. I know. And, like, if you look at the social media just by, like, pure numbers metrics, we're doing great. Everyone's talking about our yeah. new game. Yeah. But, like, there is a, there's a problem. But, but the game. Yeah, I know, right? It's got but... all the things that the, the cool kids love these days. It's got the, the raised fist and the, the, the fighting. The people rising up against the government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, though, people are not happy. They, they Apparently, they hate it. But 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 it's... We marketed this yeah. real hard. Yeah, the market research told us that people like standing up to the, the, the narratives that involve standing up to the government. And the raised fist. Yeah. So we made a game about how those people are terrorists and the government and all our cool protagonist characters need to assassinate them. I mean, that's what I understand from the current political climate. Yeah, exactly. Is that not how it works? Yeah, that that spy character we have with the night vision goggles? Yeah. What if he just went and killed all the people that didn't like the government? Yeah, I mean, government good, right? They give us all those tax breaks. Exactly. I don't understand. Why would you not like the government? Yeah, anyone who would, like, try and dismantle the government 
doesn't like us getting tax money. Yeah, uh, we we love tax money, right? Yeah, like, I don't see how we and them are seeing so not eye to eye. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. Maybe, should we sack the test audience, or? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that, that is the solution. I think yeah. you've cracked it. Uh, you are a fucking genius. I know. Nothing else we have to do to fix this. No, nothing else. They did make us get rid of the fist. <laughs> yeah. Real soul on that fist. So, oh, ear meats have received what information? What What have I put in my ear meats? Yes. What have I listened to? What have you listened to? Oh, I listened to some new music this some week. New music. Would you like to hear the songs I have listened to one after another in a big list? I would like to hear all of the songs you've listened to one after another in a big list. Uh, I listened to a track called I Don't Trust You Anymore by Left at London. I know that person. Yeah, they, they do music. Um, One gal and her guitar doing a song um, about growing up idolizing billionaires and presidents because they're powerful and they've got the money to do whatever they want and like oh wouldn't that be amazing and then growing up to realize how they got there Mm. and what they're not doing with that power and being like oh shit the world the world being bad isn't new i just needed to grow up and see that it's an interesting it's yeah it's some interesting ground for a track yeah like I I mean I, very I, punk. I yeah I can definitely empathize with a bit of like oh wouldn't it be so cool to be a multi-millionaire and like not I mean not if you're gonna use it the way that everyone else seems to. I mean to be fair, every time I dreamed about being a multi-millionaire as a kid, it's like and I could help this person and I could do this for this people yeah. and this for that people. It's like I would never be a billionaire it's, for that very reason. Exactly. <laughs> um, plus, it's got a cool synth interlude in that track. Ooh, synth. Yeah. Um, I listened to a track called Stupid Intruders by the Vincent Black Shadow. Um, I I struggled a bit to try and describe the the genre of music this is, and the best I came up with was high-energy femme goth pop. Um, It's got a really interesting mix of what I would describe as, like, pop vocals, the sort of horn sounds you sometimes get in goth music, a bit of rock guitar mixed in and the pacing of like a good dance track it's it's an interesting mash that i like it's it's weird to try and describe it if you heard it you would understand what i mean it yes cuz you lost me somewhere yeah, around it's, horns yeah there there is there's a lot of sounds going on in that track that mm. somehow work together Yay. um uh lyrically it's about the contradictory way that people can exist um which i mean is fair um I listened through uh, Medicine by the Taxpayers, which is the introductory tu- oh, song two, to... One, two, three, four. Yes, to the uh, the podcast Sawbones, yes. the medical history podcast. Um, I don't think I've ever listened to the full track of that before. Is this a thing? You're just going to go through all the McElroy podcasts I mean, and listen to the whole I track? I keep getting recommended them in my Spotify Discover <laughs> Weekly, and I'm like, well, you apparently have worked out what podcasts I listen to, <laughs> so sure. Um... The full lyrics of that song are wild. Yeah. Um, it's about a group of people robbing a pharmacy in the apocalypse, yeah. but they didn't really pay much attention to what stuff they took, and they didn't take what they, they thought they'd taken. Um, so eventually they, they take some medication, it's not what they thought it was, and they die. And then their bodies decompose and become plants and sustain life, so life goes on. That's how that works. Yeah. It's, literally, we robbed a pharmacy, we took the pills, oops, we died. But it, we're plants now, it's chill. <laughs> Yeah, I've been that high as well. <laughs> oh, 
Um, I listened to a track called Courtney by The Narcissist Cookbook. Um, it's a very upbeat, guitar-driven track um, that's lyrically all about the baseless rumours that Courtney Love killed Kurt Cobain, um, and about how they're basically all just rooted in... Misogyny? Yeah, misogyny, and particularly fans of rock music being real shitty and sexist to women. Um, in, in the rock industry. Yeah, in the rock industry, I know. And just just bringing attention to the fact that decades later... People still hassle Courtney Love online about her husband's tragic death. By suicide. Yeah, by suicide. Like, and this is the thing. Apparently, like, hundreds of people a day tweet Courtney Love like, oh yeah, you murdered your husband. Which, it's gotta be real fucking fucked up. That's not good. I mean, we're recording this on the 1st of September. How many people have tweeted Billy Joe Armstrong today? Yeah. Or we'll give it a month. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's it is a it is a track that's just about like hey 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 f- fucking stop it everyone, a person a person commits suicide and you're looking for a woman to blame it on. Um, and I listened to a track called Dysphoria by a band called Saint Wessesley. It's a, it's a slow, gentle kind of somber guitar track about wanting to kick Dysphoria's ass and get out and live life. Relatable. Yeah, it's a good track. Mm-hmm. What about you? What did you listen to this week? I listened to two albums. Tell me about them. Well, I also made some music. I made some chip tune. Yeah, you did. It was awesome. I made some chip tune and I made a little pirate shanty. Yeah, both are really cool. I'm, I'm very proud of you. I listened to that pirate shanty more than anything else this week because <laughs> I had to learn mixing and mastering as part of that particular Udemy course. Yeah. And boy, howdy, I've listened to that track a lot. Yeah. On various different sets of speakers just to make yeah. sure it works. To make sure that like the highs aren't too high. The highs aren't too high and it doesn't sit like a foot above the speakers and yeah. go nowhere. But it's sort of central or spread out a bit. Yeah. And stuff. But I've listened to that a lot. Um, I listened to the Alien original soundtrack <laughs> and the Aliens original soundtrack. Funny that. Those are really good albums. Those are really good. Those are really good soundtracks. Yeah, they are. It's they're well orchestrated. They have like a good sense of 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 tension. They they pace themselves well. Good and... mix of different sounds. Yeah. yeah, yeah, They do good. They do drama good, and they do tension good, depending on which of those two albums you're you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. They are are really good. Bits of music and very good in their own right outside of the the alien films. Heck, I think that's everything we listen to. Well then, time for this. Do you own a piano? Yeah. Does it sort of sit there gathering dust? I mean, I'm meant to get around to learning it. Would you like there to be like a really easy way that you can learn with an app? I mean, that sounds great. Try Easy Piano. It's an app that will teach you to play piano in just three days. That's real quick. You'll go from mindlessly pouring at the keys like some kind of Neanderthal to a complete virtuoso in a time that seems completely impossible. But our trader implies that anyone can do it. I mean, that really does seem impossible. But look at this old man. He wants to play that song for his wife. That song that they like. He's going to try and play that. 
Watch how he ponderously pulls the keyboard out of the box on the very first day. Look how he doesn't seem to understand. Pay no attention to the fact that you might have seen him as a concert pianist elsewhere. We honestly didn't just get actual piano players in our adverts to make them look good and just change their clothes between scenes, because we're very honest here at Easy Piano. Easy Piano. It's an app. And it really, honestly, definitely does work, Gov, just the way we said in the trailers. Hello, Dale. Oh, hello. It's been a while. It has. It has been too long, I should say. Too well, long. indeed. I finally went out to use this newfangled computer thing so that we can see each other without getting any of the illness happening. Yes, indeed. This ski pay thing's very clever. Yes, yes. I hear internets make it work. Oh, I've heard about those. Something about a series of tubes. They're tubes. It's a series of tubes. Yes, yeah, so I've seen the YouTube. I don't know oh, about the other tubes. I assume that's one of the tubes. I hear one of the tubes was red, but I haven't looked into that just oh, yet. well, maybe we'll look at that after, after yes, we're done here. Yes, yes. Although one thing I have noticed is that we seem to be getting a lot of this advertising, and it seems very, very targeted. I, I must say, I've been noticing the same. I mean, what I've noticed recently, I keep getting adverts for the, a remake of Sherry. So I thought Sherry was good and fine as it already Absolutely. was. Absolutely. I've been drinking Sherry Classic since I was a small girl. Indeed. I don't know why they need to change it if it already works. Exactly. But apparently there's remaking Sherry and it's full of something now called Surprise Mechanics. Oh, goodness. How are yes. they going to wedge a whole mechanic in the bottle? It's just popping out of the glass. Oh, there they are. Just uh, just. just... And another thing I've been reading about is apparently some bottles are going to be pay-to-win. See, I thought Sherry was already pay-to-win because I have to pay for the bottle before I can win by drinking it. Well, yes, I mean, Sherry's always been sort of... I've always been a a winner at Sherry, I must Ah, say. I've I've yet to lose a game yet. (laughs) Well, indeed, dear. Same. Much the same. Well, it's been lovely chatting to Uh, you. I've got to check out some more of those tubes. Yes. Oh, goodness. Uh, Are it... Oh, my. Oh. Oh, Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Question time. Let's have questions. What's the questions? Our first question comes from Arachnovolt. Oh. Hi, right now. Hi. Have you ever been involved in a tabletop game horror story, like dealing with terrible players or DMs? Oh, oh, that that kind of horror story. Oh yes. I've been really lucky. I don't think I have really. I think the only times I I have had I wouldn't say horror stories. I've struggled with games. Yeah. Like where, for example, the um, dice funk I was on with the casino. Mm. Because I had specced myself as a sneaky roguey type, and then I was put in combat situations that I was too squishy to deal with. You, you, you still found a way to make a fun character, though. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the point, wasn't it? Yeah, just make yeah. a fun character with a pun name, and that's usually what I go for. Um, yeah, I mean, that was a, a struggle to play, but I wouldn't say it was a horror story. Yeah, um, I... I've had games with inexperienced people. Yeah. And it wasn't even a problem necessary necessarily of the the scenario that was written, yeah. but just that sometimes like the way people will present information, and it's like yes. oh um yeah I think if if it had been said slightly differently we might have either moved on quicker or 
I might have just grokked what you meant immediately. There are times when I've just been playing in too large a group and just felt like I'm not really doing anything here. I'm just going to let them speak. Yeah, We had one one experience doing D&D together where we we, we were doing recorded D&D and we lost... Uh, lost the recording, oh, God. and trying to recreate that was a stressful experience for all involved. Yes, that was a bit of a horror story moment. Yeah, we. Yeah, um, bless Becky who does the primary edit on on Polyarmory. Just like I need to contact these three people and get them to re-record their lines, and yes. I need to record some of my own lines so that we don't lose this whole bit of story. It worked. That episode's gone out, and I yeah. don't think anyone said anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, between the two of us, that came out to a perfectly serviceable episode. I mean, like, that's a thing that, that gets done sometimes in podcasting. I I talk about this sometimes, that the spoiler cast for the beginner's guide that I did mm. with uh, with Jim on Podquisition, every one of my lines on that is recorded in post. And you didn't even have a record of what you'd... Nope, I worked it out as I went. It wasn't like you had audio problems where you could still hear what was said, but... Yeah, no, I just had to wing it entirely. Yeah... Um, like, I think I think that's the worst. Yeah, I've I've occasionally had like clashes with other players where we've sort of not seen eye to eye on what was going on with characters, and we've yeah worked those things out. Mm. But you know, the, those thus are the perils of trying to improv storytell with other people. You, these things happen. Yeah, I think no no matter when you're playing D anD D, you will always have the easiest time if you trust your DM. Because yeah. I've played games with people DMing and just been like, I am unsure about some of your choices about what this story is doing, and yeah. I'm not sure I'm having a great time. Uh, may- may- maybe it'll work out in the end. Yeah. It did all work out in the end, but just like sometimes you can be hours deep in in like a one-off or a campaign or something, and just be like, I I a bit lost with all of this. Not yes. be- not because I'm I'm lost as to the plot, but I'm lost as to where the fun is in what's happening right here? Yeah, D and D is a, uh, a it is a difficult it is beast. a learned skill. It is, and it, it needs to be learned by everyone around the table. Yes, uh, which with first timers can be a bit difficult. Yeah, uh, like from a DM point of view, like the the game one of the games we played with our local group. Yeah, especially that first game I ran. Yes, and it was like most of you have never played D and D before. Yes, and it is. Like herding cats, getting you to just concert. You're all great friends. We're all great friends. But if you could just focus on this just for a minute and just chat about the story we're telling together, yeah. rather than whatever tangent three of you are fucked off to, because this is a seven-person game. Yes. <laughs> um. There is. I very firmly believe there is a good number, like a limit to what is a good number for D and D, and you will. You can do more than that, but you're going to have to fight to do it. And and I think some people are going to have less fun by yeah. virtue of the fact they are going to have a lot more downtime between scenes. Yeah. Even if a DM is like really good at keeping this stuff in their head of, hey, you haven't done anything for a little while. Yeah. I want to focus on you. Because generally as a DM, it's easier to just focus on whatever person spoke last. <laughs> yes. I do my best when we have the big group that I sometimes run. To be like, try and keep an eye on who has or has not interacted recently. Mm-hmm. Who can we drag in to do something? Yeah, any any large group, it can be a di- bit difficult to hear people. We did that session with Human Tolerant News. Yes. And I was definitely nervous about the number of people for a recorded mm. podcast. 
Anna. I think there is some quietness from from some members of the team, but I think ultimately everyone got involved. Yeah, I think the, everyone was happy. The story went really well. It will need a bit of editing. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, I'm 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 very excited to hear the final version of that. Yeah. We were doing questions, weren't we? She's not going into one about D and D. I love D and D. I love you too. And Becky. Uh, Kellery asks, what is your favourite and least favourite thing about living with your partners? My partner and I just settled into our new flat and we're loving it so far. Uh, I don't... Uh, least favourite, I don't think I have. I, I can't think of anything. Oh my god, it's terrible when you're <laughs> not here. <laughs> <laughs> favourite thing? Honestly, it's having someone to be in the same space with even if we're not doing the same thing. Oh, doing god. different things but together is a really lovely thing to have found a person I can do with. And doing things, like, apart. Yeah. Like, in the same building. Yeah. Like, I I have dated people in the past where it was like, if you were home together, you had to be doing things together. Yes. And it very much leaves you feeling like, I, I can't, well, I can't do anything. Yeah. You have decided what we do. We Apparently, we watch TV. Yes. Okay. I... I, I would like to either play video games or draw something or maybe listen to some music. Yeah. But I can't do that without seeming rude, apparently. Yeah. We, we've we we've got a very compatible sense of what, what time is we'll come together and do stuff together. We'll mm-hmm. do stuff in the same space, but differently, or we'll do stuff in other parts of the house. But, like, we... I don't feel like we ever feel like we're under each other's feet. Like, oh, oh we should be doing stuff together. We should be doing stuff together. But equally, so. it's not like we never... St- spend any time together yeah. we we have our balance yeah well, i think that. we balance that very well like most weekends for example it'll be like we'll get up we'll have breakfast we might watch some tv together and yeah. then it'll be like i might play some video games for a bit cool i might play some video games a bit as well yeah. or make some music yeah or we'll, we'll have a few hours on a on a saturday between like uh, between like 11 and 5 where it's like we'll split off and do separate things in the same room we'll check in with each other every now and then how's your thing going how's my thing going or we might just sit and play board games together yeah like sometimes we will use that time to do things together but sometimes it's like oh we'll just split off and do activities but but in the same space exactly it's been very nice to find someone who I have that compatible sense with. Yeah, and and getting over that feeling yeah. of like we have to be doing stuff all the time because yeah. like that is where like a lot of my previous relationships have sort of fallen apart. That feeling like you're losing your own identity. Yes, that you don't have time and space to do the, the your together things. thing now. Yeah, all the time. Indeed, yeah. It's it's nice to be like, hey, if I want to go do something up at the office for a bit, it's not going to seem like I'm. I'm shutting myself away and you can't communicate with me. It's my time. Go away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then there's like the fact, especially during like uh, working from home period, it's been nice to be like, oh, it's been a couple of hours. Should we just have a hug? Yeah. Every, just, every couple of hours just I'll hug. just come in and we'll shout wife at each other ah, and have a big I... hug and then get back to doing what we're yeah. doing for just a little, What's hey, that? wife, hug. Physical proximity human. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Also, getting getting to just wake up next year in the morning is really lovely, and do a big that that twenty minutes or so of just have a cuddle before we get out of bed is really lovely. Got your leggy. Got my leggy. Got your leggy. Yeah. You got my leggy. It's oh, it's nice to have enough time in our morning routine that we can just have some uh, <sighs> snuggle. Relax. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're great. You're great. I very much enjoy living with you. I very much enjoy living with you too. Mm. I get too many butt touches. Yeah, you do. He's right here. 
There's the butt. There's the butt. There's the butt. Oh, there's the butt. Oh, <laughs> I touched the butt. <laughs> I touched the butt a little bit more enthusiastically. I got startled. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's some noodle. <laughs> Apparently, I had a noodly butt. Apparently, I was sat on some noodles. You had a noodle butt. Noodle <laughs> butt. I don't even know how that works. What's the next question? The next question. Well, that's a good question. Is it a good question? Probably. Uh, it's yeah. one for our show. Lucy asks, "How do you keep going during rough patches?" couple of things. I work out what the minimum is I can manage and do my best to like, just do that. Yeah, agreed. Like, if all I can do is get out of bed and go and sit on the couch, yeah, do that. Yes. If all I can do is brush my hair and, and or my teeth, do that. Yeah. If I can get up and eat, yeah, like, I'll try and do that. If I can eat healthily, bonus. <laughs> If I can get up and leave the house and go for a walk, yeah, also a bonus. It's it's don't try and take the day as one huge thing. Go, can I do this step? Yeah, okay. Don't be like, can I do all of the things? Yeah, just one step at a time. Can I do the next step? Yeah, okay. I can, I can probably manage that step and try and do the ones you can do. And also understand that, like, this is depression. Depression is yeah. like a long-standing thing. You. you as I, as I said to someone recently who was really suffering with depression, like, admitting it for the first time in their, like, yeah. 40 years of life, they were like, well, how do you recover from it? It's like, well, you, you don't. You just get better at coping with it. You you learn how to live with it in your life. Yeah. And, like, there's, if anyone follows me on Twitter, there's been a few moments recently where it's been like, my brain's been really wacky. And I've just got the skills now to identify, hey, this is becoming yeah. a problem. That's it. A, lot of, it. a lot of the time for me, it's just a matter of recognising what's happening and giving myself some space to not beat myself up if, like, let's say there's a day where I sit down at my computer and I don't get any work done. I, it's a lot of just pottering around, dicking about on the internet and not getting anything done. Oh. To not beat myself up over that, I go, look, I, I wasn't up to it today. Give myself a little bit of breathing space. Come back and try tomorrow. Uh-huh. And just keeping an eye on your own mental health over time and... That's another thing. Yeah. Like keep keeping an eye on it and recognizing when there's been yeah. like a significant change. Re- recognizing when it's like this is a one one off bad day versus this is a pattern that is is moving in a direction. It, it's trying to keep track of where your mental states are. If nothing else, for me, it's remembering to take my brain pills. That'll help. That really will help. And there's nothing wrong with you know. Uh, if you don't make your own neurotransmitters, still bought fine. And, like, if the first batch don't work for you, don't be afraid to keep pestering your yeah. doctor until you get one that does work for These you. These ones that should make me happy made me want to die. Can I have some different ones, please? Yeah. Because there are lots of different types. And, like, okay, most doctors will go, here is some floxetine. Yes. Here it is at a higher dose. Here it is a higher dose. Here it is a higher dose. Pfft, well, I don't know what to say to you. It's like, well, there's lots of other different types of antidepressant. Like, yeah. um... Johnny Maloney, who used to yes, be on Word Funk. Yes, And I think Dice Funk as well. Uh, yes, yeah. Like, he talks about how, like, he spent months, possibly even years, going through with his doctor just all the different uh, yeah. medications until they found one that actually worked for his brain. Yeah. It's like, cool. You, uh, But it can be hard with depression to just work through that. Yeah. Yeah, I think the first time I started really needing brain meds, when I was probably about 12 or 13. Yeah. The wrong puberty causing issues with my brain. <laughs> what? I shudder to think. 
I got to a point where I just gave up on the system. Yeah. Because I didn't have it in me and I didn't have the support to go, hey, these medications that you keep changing once every six months aren't helping me. Yeah. And these days, like, I will go and look up uh, the British National um, Formulary. Yeah. Like, I'm looking in the latest version of the BNF. I know when you can tell me that that medication can be changed. I will go back to my doctor and be like, it's been three weeks, so I waited a week over the bare minimum. It's not working, sort this. Yeah. Um, And sometimes you do need to have that bit of information yourself and don't be afraid to look things up. But go for like a proper medical dictionary rather than I looked on WebDM. Yeah, yeah. If you can, look up like NHS guidelines published on NHS websites. Yeah, like whatever whatever your like national. Yes. uh, Or even like a different country's version because those exist and are just as good. Indeed. Yeah. Um, I can't even remember what the question was. How do we keep going through rough patches? Yeah, just. Yeah. Do what you can. Try and yeah. hydrate. Um, also, when you're in good patches, try and establish routines as best you can, because those will sometimes be enough to be like, I'm having a bad day, but I'm going to do the thing because it's routine. If mm-hmm. you can form something into a habit that is a part of a good, healthy daily routine, that might help you get through the worst days. Yeah. Like, on a bad day, I will still go for a walk now, when I probably wouldn't have done a few years ago, because I've made it a part of the routine. It's just a mm-hmm. thing that happens. That's definitely good. I've found a mask really helps with that. Yes. Like I can feel like I can hide a lot more behind a mask. Like There were times when like I would be stressing so much about what I looked like and how I sorted myself out before I could dare leave the house. Oh yeah, if that, I... Now it's like, oh, I'll just throw a mask if on. If I don't feel up to shaving um, because of sensory issues but I still want to do the walk outside, I can do that. Just take a fucking mask over it. I've put makeup on... Twice, three times since the pandemic started, and both of those times were just fancy a bit of slap. <laughs> just, just sometimes fancy a bit you of just fancy a bit of slap. Exactly. Yeah. The the last thing I'd say about rough patches is just they they pass. They're patches. Keep that. Try and keep that in your mind. It's not going to last forever. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. As as someone who has struggled a lot in the past with depression, suicidal depression. Um. Uh, things have got a lot better, but yeah. it took a lot to get through them. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Ooh, here's a question. Uh, Becky Twohill. Hi, Becky. Hi, Becky. Love you. Uh, Becky Twohill asks, worst animal to be shapeshifted into? Dung beetle. Their entire life is just rolling around shit. That does not seem rolling, like a fun. Rolling, e- rolling, rolling, rolling. That doesn't seem like a fun existence. Just pushing a huge shit ball around. What if you could play pinball with it on a cool island? No, I still don't want to push a huge shit ball around. Goku's Island Express. I don't... No, thank you. (laughs) Oh, okay. No. I mean... What's your worst animal to be? Mm, Worst animal to be. I mean, probably one of the more hated ones, like a wasp in autumn. Oh, oh no. (laughs) Because, like, everybody would be trying to kill me or gas me or something. Yeah, that'd be be pretty bad. Yeah. My my first... My first thought to that and I I didn't stick with it was a snake because they got no arms I, I, I've become accustomed to arms you have? don't know what I'd do without either. them oh just, no they're just a long neck I don't know what I'd do if I was just a neck well you'd do that called sidewindy thing 
I don't know how to do that. It would be weeks of me just learning. How, how do I? How do I wiggle? I'm sure snakes are, are, are like deer. I think they they can move quite quickly after birth. Yeah, but I've not been born as a snake. I'm I'm a human who's suddenly a snake. I'm like, oh shit. Oh, I I think it'll probably just come to you once you take the form of a snake. It'll be like ah, genetic memory. <laughs> That's the power of snake. Uh, Callum Turner, hi Callum. Asks, uh, do you have a favourite piece of media that you never plan on going back to? For me, it's Persona Four Slash Five. Really enjoyable and memorable, but would never touch them again as I cannot commit another hundred hours plus. You know, in recent years, I think my answer to this has become Breath of the Wild, the the original Breath of the Wild. Not not necessarily never plan to go back to, but it is one of my, on my first playthrough of it, one of my favourite Zelda games I've ever played. Mm. I can't in the foreseeable future see myself going back and playing through it again the way I did the first time, the way that I would say any of the past more linear Zelda games. Mm. So much of the joy of that game was exploration, um, joy of the unknown, what's over that ridge, uh, discovery for the first time of that world. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if I went back and replayed it, my instinct would be go for the plot point, go for the plot point, go for the plot point, done. And oh, I don't see, feel I, like it would I feel be... Like my replay of Breath of the Wild would be, okay, I am working out from this point, I will do all of the shrines, like, going yeah. further and further out from this point, and, and I, mean, I will hit every single shrine. And I mean, maybe I could get myself into the headspace to do that, but, like, here's the thing, maybe I'd have a great time replaying it, I'm afraid to replay it. I'm afraid that it won't seem as magical and wonderful without that sense of first-time discovery. Mm. And I don't want to take away that really pure, perfect first experience I had with it. And maybe I will in the future, and I'm curious to see what they do with Breath of the Wild too. and I definitely want to play that. Right now, I don't want to tarnish that that magical nature of that first playthrough. Yeah. I, I remember like almost as soon as I finished Breath of the Wild, b before Champion's Ballet came out, I was like, oh, I'm just going to dip back into this. I've done yeah. all 120 shrines. I'm just going to restart. Oh. Oh. No, I'm not interested in restarting. Like, even when Battle of the Champions came out, I was like, okay, cool. And I got, like, most of the way yeah. through the first part of that and just went, uh... That, you see what I mean, though? It's... Yeah. That, that world was magical once, and I am afraid it won't be... Again, in the same way that, like, I'll replay Majora's Wask, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess to the end of my days. Mm. Breath of the Wild, I had a magical experience and I'm happy to put it in a box and be like, and and that was that. I think it would need to be a good few more years when I've had time to forget yeah. more of it. That's it. Maybe I will when I've had a chance to forget, but... Maybe we hit retirement age and replay Breath of the Wild together. Yeah. I feel like I need another two or three years before, at least before I'd be ready, but, like, it's... There's every chance I might never do a full replay of it. Mm, that is always a risk. Like, three games that I would love to replay, but I don't have the time. And in some cases, I don't have the really the patience for them, which is a damning thing for the games I'm about to say. Yeah. <laughs> Final Fantasy 7, 8, and 9. Loved them the first time through. Adored them. Final Fantasy 7 is kind of painful to look out like the original versions of that game now. Yeah. Um, I I min-max it too much and end up taking a lot of the fun out of it because the first time through that game I did not understand the junction system until I got to Ultimecia. Yeah. 
And now whenever I play it, it's like, okay, I'm just going to stay here fighting this thing. Oh, it's got Cure. I'll just draw and cast Cure on myself. I'm also going to keep drawing everything until I've got 100 of everything it has to offer. And then I will move on to the next thing. Yeah. And then as soon as I get the power that I can... And, like, level up the things I've got. I might just go back and get, like, another hundred cures so that I can immediately turn them into cures. So that I can be massively OP before I finish the first disc. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, nine, I played through once. I played through it so quickly, I barely remember anything about it, apart from the fact that as soon as I found out you could miss one of the Stelazio coins, or possibly two of them, yeah, and never be able to get them again. I couldn't play that game without a guide. Yeah. I got a few hours into it, and somebody went, oh, if you miss one of these, you can't get it, and then there's, like, a whole thing you can't get. I I ended up sitting there with a guide for the whole rest of the game, which I think lost a lot of it for me, although I do remember really liking the plot. Yeah, the plot's wonderful. Yeah. 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 And there's, like, big white things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, It kind of reminded me of Kate Sith originally, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah, and isn't, like, no, that's something else. Ah, oh, God. Those three kind of blended together for me, because I played them at a very similar time in my life. That's fair, that's fair. But, yeah, great games. And the other problem I think I have is that there is so much good stuff out there. Yeah. That more and more I'm feeling that I don't have time in life to go and redo an experience I've already had. Yeah. When I can just go, ah, oh, but there's that thing that I've never got round well, to that's... trying. That's part of it for me as well with, say, Breath of the Wild, is do I have 120 hours to 100% this game when I could be playing a bunch of new things? Breath of the Wild 2. Yeah, Breath of the Wild 2 I'm so fucking excited for. Yeah, I mean, like, if that really does continue in the same Hyrule with changes, yeah, like, there's going to be a whole level of, I kind of know this place, but what is this? I'm I'm hoping for it to have, like, that Majora's Mask feel of, I recognise... These elements, but they have been put together in a way that feels new. I know these assets. Yes, I know these <laughs> assets, but there's new things to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry Yellingenby is having a bit of trouble with um, some pronunciation. And is asking, how do you pronounce this? I can't quite work it out. It's Payapal... And then there's like a full stop and a meh. And there's like a forward slash, and it's route rower. Can you can you? That's PayPal.me slash rawgalicious. R a w r g l i c i o u s, which is Lauren from Dice Funk. She's in some shit financially right now. Yeah, I can really do some cash. She, hey, she's she's a cool, lovely person who you could financially support. Who is great on Dice Funk, mm. and also if you want, you can support her by. Getting nudes. She do nudes. She do titty pics. Yeah, raw delicious on Twitter. She do titty pics too. Yeah, so you can get those, or you could just send us some money. Yeah, feeling generous. She's she's a lovely. She's or very you sweet. could just do a share of some of her desperate needs because apparently yeah. she's a couple of hundred dollars in debt with a utility company. That's Woo. less than ideal. Lauren's lovely. She's Lauren's she's lovely. one of my favorite people. She is. She's super lovely. But she's been really struggling a lot recently. Yes, physically and mentally and all of the things. Sigh. Oh, we have a late running question. <gasps> what is a food that you didn't think you'd like but did? Who's that from? That is from J. Jacob Marion. That I, uh, a food that I didn't think that you'd like but did. Huh. Do you, do you have one of these prepared? No, because I've only just seen this question this very instant. <laughs> this very instant. Oh, 
As someone who always struggled with fish as a thing, I've been pleasantly surprised at how well I've gotten on with a lot of the vegan fake fish alternatives. Fish fingers. Yeah. Those uh, the vegan corn fish fingers are amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, even like the uh, that one time we went to that pub and had uh, uh, tofush. Yeah, tofush. I got on. I got on surprisingly well with the tofush as well. That pub's not there anymore. That was it's... London's oldest pub. Yeah, and it's now gone because Fuller's wanted it back. Yeah, yeah. that's a mm. shame. It is. We got any other questions? I have an answer this oh, one. Oh, have you got an answer for this one? Um, y- yeah, but one I wouldn't eat now because. Hashtag vegan. Um, yeah. Get like a crepe pancake. Right. So nice and thin. Add some leftover roast beef. Okay. Like cut into like little strips and then just cover it in ketchup and roll up, up, up like a burrito. Oh, that does sound nice. It's really good. Yeah. If you happen to like meat. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that is all the questions. Well then. <sighs> Time for this. Do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Brochure Justice Warriors. Brochure Justice Warriors? Yeah. Alright, Larry. Alright, Barry. How are you doing? Oh, not too bad, mate. You know, uh, I've, I've settled down into another one of those sort of used to it periods. Yeah, yeah. They sort of uh, ebb and flow a little bit, don't yeah, they? Yeah, sort of go in and out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You have been up to much? You have been thinking about much recently? Well, Anything on your plate? Well, you know, I've been uh, thinking about a few things recently. Uh, one, one, one topic that's come up a bit is like uh, the whole masking thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Not not like the, the social distance masks. I mean, and, there's uh, been a lot the, of that recently. Well, there's been a lot of that, but I'm guessing that's not, not as much the one as you're... I'd like. Yeah, I'm no, guessing that's no. not the one you're on about. No, no, that's all that uh, signs of neurodivergence, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Your sort of um, ability to. Uh, if you're someone who's, say, on the uh, ADHD or autism uh, spectrums, your ability to sort of hide the the ways that you would express that for the benefit of people who don't have those conditions. Yeah, absolutely. Like, how do you, uh, how, how do you, uh, you know, try and... Because obviously, like, a lot of people who grow up with these conditions learn that uh, they are treated very differently by people. Yeah. If they are, for example, stimming, or if they are very fidgety people, you know... Yeah. With things like ADHD, children are often told, you know, they need to sit down and be quiet yeah. and they can very often be punished people, for not being yeah. there. People being shamed for uh, obsessive uh, behaviours or for, uh, for ticks, for example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's this idea that um, there's, there's often this expectation from parents of children who are neurodiverse that, like, if you can stop the visible behaviour of the neurodivergence, that's the same as fixing the underlying mental health condition. Yeah, and this is why it can be very difficult for, you know, adults who who believe that they might have such conditions to to get a diagnosis, because by that time they have learnt mechanisms of just passing through the world without, you know, that being a problem. And suddenly yeah. they're being obs- uh, assessed by a doctor, and the doctor's like, well, you don't, you don't do this sort of thing, you don't do that. Sort of thing. Yeah, but, but that's... I, I don't do it right now, but yeah. you know I'm I've got into such a way of you know I look at your nose when we're talking you know yes, I, don't, I don't make eye contact but I have I, learned that people like yeah. it when I do that. It's uh, yeah, it's it's the case of like finding things you can do that 
make it look like you're acting like everyone else, even if you've like, yeah, I, you know, you, maybe I still can't look look you in the eye, but I've worked out to trick you into thinking I'm doing it. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. There's this thing that like, has depressingly become more common in recent years uh, in the autism uh, community around kids. Uh, applied Behavioural Analysis, ABA, which is basically take a kid that's autistic and stims when they get stressed and go... Oh, if you keep stimming, we're going to take away your favourite toys and you can't have them back ever again. We'll just we'll destroy them. We'll, it's doing things that are emotionally unpleasant to a child to stop them doing the outward behaviour of being neurodivergent. Right. And yeah. as soon as they start acting like they're not neurodivergent, then niceness happens again. And it's it's just teaching them, no, horrible things will happen to you if you... Do, do you, things to relieve. Yeah, if you do your natural responses to stressful situations, the things that work for you because you are a neurodivergent person, yeah. stop those things. It's not compassion. Again, no. this is an issue I, I take up with parents. You know, you're supposed to love your child unconditionally yeah. and, and, and there you are torturing them for, for you know, just, yeah. just to make your life a little bit easier. Well, that's it. It's, other parents are going to ask fewer questions and you're not going to be like, oh, I'm the parent with a weird child, you know. It's like, oh, I might look, be they're... embarrassed in a supermarket at yeah. some point because yeah. my child is overstimulated. Exactly. And it's like, my child looks and acts like every other child. Everything is fine. Whereas they're still going to be struggling with exactly the same neurodivergent you issues. Just can't talk to anyone about it. Now. Exactly. You just got to bottle up and internalise it and kind of get a bit fucked up by it. Yeah, and then, you know, maybe probably ha- end up having more yeah. meltdowns as a result of that. Yeah, because like, the, the fun the fun thing that doesn't get talked about that a lot is if you take away someone's neurodiverse uh, coping mechanisms, you put them in this really awkward situation where when it eventually does bubble over and do something like an autism meltdown, for example, you get people saying, oh, you're usually fine, you're fine all the time, you're faking this. Yeah. It, 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 it starts being assumed that you're times when it does become too much are not legitimate because well you're not struggling all the time yeah because i'm not allowed to do the things that you know would build up to this this is not caring for a loved one this is breaking a horse yeah and it's horrible and just i wish more people understood that stopping neurodiverse behaviors in someone doesn't stop them being neurodiverse it just pushes all their struggles out of sight so that they can deal with them personally and privately by themselves and they don't have to inconvenience you. <sighs> Virtualog, mate. Virtualog. I need it. Yeah, CSA. Gosh, remember the last one we had? A, a real one of these, mate. Oh, what must have been like? February, probably? Feels like February, March, sometime. Yeah, right good now. six months. Well, this year. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. This year has been a year. Yeah. Uh, well, mate, I think I have to give it a bit of a lie down, actually. Oh, uh, yeah, same. Well, uh, I hope you sleep well, mate. Yeah, you too. Nice. So, Laura. Yes? Where can we find you on the internet? Laura K. Buzz in all the places. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Um, LauraKBuzz.com. Everything ends up getting posted there. I Twitch stream Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. You should tune in and watch them streams. They're a lot of fun. Um, every Friday I upload on YouTube a series called Access Ability, which is a edited 
series about video game industry representation and accessibility. Lots of stuff about like, hey, how can we help more disabled people play more games or people with varied needs play games? And how can we see more people, you know, various minority groups in games as well? Um, I've got a real cool episode going up. Uh, it'll be the Friday after this podcast goes up. Um, about the new Don't Know game Tell Me Why and its trans character that I got to collaborate with uh, Noacking from Twitter on. So that that's going to be real cool. It's my first time doing an accessibility episode with, an, with a co-host. Oh, heck. Uh, I've got books as well. Uncomfortable Labels. That's out now. It's out where books are sold or as an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com. Also... There's Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, which is a silly and serious illustrated coffee table book of video game character butt reviews that has developer interviews and a bunch of guest critics and a bunch of pictures of video game butts. And that's coming out on February 4th, 2021. And then there's Gender Euphoria, which is an anthology of non-cis people's positive, affirming gender stories. Uh, It's like 70,000 words long. Uh, uh, closer to 75,000. I went a bit over word count. Uh, and it's hopefully going to be out in time for Pride Month next year. And there's a bunch of uh, contributors who've given essays to that book, and I can't wait to share it with people. And then there's podcasts. There's Pixel Squirt, where I talk about video game character pornography with Mari and Stacey from Geek Remix. There is Podquisition, where we tell you whether your favourite video games are great or perfect. There's Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, and seven. Uh, they're all self-contained stories, and I'm on a podcast with you that isn't this one. <laughs> you just determined never to let me do that again. <laughs> oh, I'm waiting for you to find a way around my like. I, I'm setting up. I'm setting up the 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 obstacle. I want to see you jump that hurdle. That's <laughs> <Yeah>, fine. <laughs> Uh, we do polyamory together. It's a D&D 5th edition real play podcast with questionable morals. Um, we've just put up episode 11. Ooh. I was hoping everyone would have a nice, calm, chill downtime episode. And y'all were like, let's go and kill something. <laughs> I was like, cool, sure, whatever, guys. This is fun. Is this the one that involved the rock concert? Yes. Yeah. Mine apothecary courtship. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. We have we we have fun with that show. And goodness, we've recorded a lot of that episode, a lot of that season. And I am very hyped for people to hear more of it. I also make uh, t-shirts and stuff. I I Twitch stream on Thursday nights around sort of quarter to eight. I would say. Um, I have a Twitter, a Twitch, YouTube, I have a Redbubble where I sell t-shirts with amusing slogans and such on. Some of those have been selling really well recently. I can't imagine what it is about the downfall of capitalism that seems to be on the horizon. This make pe- making people buy more and more wealth inequality solutions t-shirts. <laughs> it's got a guillotine on it. Yay! Yay! Um, yeah, all of my stuff can pretty much be found at streamerlinks.com slash janiac. That's J-A-N-E-I-A-C. Most important one is my Patreon, patreon.com slash stonedmonkeyradio. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can help me justify a 70-hour work week. Alternatively, uh, if you want to go up to uh, $10 a month, you can get early access to this very show, Grim Pleasant Strangers. You could get it on a Wednesday or possibly a Thursday morning. Wow. I think that's everything. 
Laura. Love as soon as that man. Until next time, be a stranger. Oh god. <laughs> oh no, too strange. <laughs>